Jesus, we thank you for today, God. We thank you for blessing us. Jesus, make us mighty warriors, soldiers in your army, God. May we be strong in what we believe. May we be strong in our faith. May we be strong in love, strong in battle. May we have the whole armor of God on. May we raise the banner of Jesus Christ. Lord, knowing, Lord, that, that the first place we need to be is total surrender towards you, God. The first place in our life needs to be total surrender to your Lordship, your kingdom. So we raise our own stubborn, stubborn self. And we raise the flag and we say, we quit trying to be God. We raise the, the flag and, and we say, we, we quit trying to do it on our own. And we say, God, we need your armor. We need the armor of God. We need your righteousness. We need your truth like a belt tied around us. We need your sword in our hands. We need the helmet of salvation. To always be reminded that we're saved by grace and not by works, lest any man should boast. We need the shield of faith that we might be able to extinguish every fiery dart of the enemy. And we need our feet to be fitted with the readiness to preach the gospel at all times, Lord. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do today in this service. In the name of Yeshua, I pray. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, and it is sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I want to read it to you in the message paraphrase. God means what he says. And what he says goes. His powerful word is... As sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey, nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what we do. So this morning, I want to continue to talk about the supernatural world, the spiritual world, and we've been looking at the armor of God. We've been looking at the spiritual war that every believer encounters every day of their life. Now we've talked about the belt of truth and how truth needs to be firmly tied around our waist. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness, that, that we are righteous in Christ and Christ alone. We talked about the shield of faith. We talked about the shield of faith that that extinguishes every fiery dart of the enemy. We talked about our feet being fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And then we want to look this morning at two pieces of the armor. We want to talk about the helmet of salvation. And in fact, Pastor Henry is going to help us to understand a little bit about that as he leads us into communion this morning. So I want to skip over that for a moment. And I want to talk to you about the sword of the Spirit. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Ephesians 6, 17. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about what is the sword of the Spirit. And why is it called the sword of the Spirit? And how we can use this sword against the enemy to defeat him every time. Now the sword that Paul is referring to wasn't a large sword. Now there are a lot of different kinds of swords. In fact, this is, a, this is William Wallace's sword in Braveheart. Remember Braveheart? I stole it from him. <laughs> and, um, and then I, I, I've got some, uh, I got some really nice ninja swords. Don't, don't get worried. Last week people were worried like I was going to shoot them with an arrow, an, arrow, an arrow or something. But this is uh, a ninja sword and they're not sharp. They're, they're, they're show swords. 
Uh, and then we've got the sword of David. And uh, I actually borrowed it. I went back in time and borrowed it from King David. But this is King David's sword. But, but Paul wasn't talking about, Paul was not talking about David's sword. And Paul was not talking about William Wallace's sword or, or a Japanese samurai sword. He was talking about a specific kind of sword. He was talking about the Roman soldier's sword. And the reason why he was talking about a Roman soldier's sword was because it was a double-edged sword. Soldiers, step up and draw your sword. And the Roman soldier's sword was called the Gladius Hispanaeus. And it was 30 inches long. And it had on both sides, it was double-edged. In other words, on both sides it was sharp. And when it was pointy in the front, because when the soldier marched against his enemy, he would push his enemy back with his shield as he would draw his sword and he would plunge his sword forward. Plunge his sword forward. Push the enemy, plunge. Push the enemy and plunge. Put your sword away, soldier. And the Roman sword was used both as an offensive sword and a defensive sword. Offensively, the sword was used to demolish every stronghold and lie of the enemy. Defensively, it was used to protect himself. It was used to protect himself from the enemy's sword. And so this morning, are you having a hard time with your sword, soldier? <laughs> Drop and give me 20 right now. I'm looking at everybody, and everybody's not listening to me. They're like, <laughs> you want to try it again, soldier? Thank you. You want to put it away again, soldier? Thank you very much. Soldier, you are dismissed. Thank you very much. Give a soldier a big hand. So the sword was used both offensively and defensively. The sword was called the sword because it was the sword of the spirit that penetrates the heart. We're going to talk about that. But history will bear it out that the Roman sword was the sword that they called that conquered the whole known world. They said by this sword, the Roman government and the Roman army conquered the all, all of the known world. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about how to use the sword. You see, there's a lot of Christians that are very passive. You know, Christians tend to, you know, love, you know, peace and joy and, and, you know, we don't want to fight. But, you know, there comes a time in which we need to take up the sword of the Spirit and we need to fight. There's a time in which we need to use the Word of God and speak the truth in love. This is what God's Word says. I understand what the enemy says, but this is what God's Word says. I understand what people are saying, but this is what God's Word says. So Paul the Apostle said there's a time in which we arm ourselves, we are defensive in our stance, and yet we take the sword of the Spirit and we march on in the power of the Spirit of God. The sword of the Spirit or the Bible. When it, when it is used in the right way, destroys the works of the enemy. It can demolish every stronghold, every lying, deceptive spirit. It destroys and defeats every stronghold that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And we're going to read this together. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. And Paul the Apostle says... For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as this world does. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is a thought that becomes a way of thinking, that becomes a way of living, that always has the same results. A stronghold is a way of thinking. It's a way of living our life. And so often they are contrary to God's word. So what does Paul say? Paul says the sword of the spirit is a divine weapon that God has given us for what reason? We demolish. Notice what it says in verse 5. We demolish what? Arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the what? Knowledge of God. Paul the Apostle says we have the sword of the Spirit so that we can come against every pretension, every lie, every deceptive false doctrine of the enemy. 
He said everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is the very thing that created the world. The knowledge of God is the very thing that will preserve the world. And the enemy will raise up other doctrines, lies from the pit of hell, to tell us that that's not the way God does something. And when we do that, and when we embrace the lies of the enemy, it will destroy our culture. It'll destroy our country. And it'll destroy our lives. And so often even try to destroy the church. But Paul says this, we demolish arguments. And everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we take captive. Listen to what he says. We take captive every thought. Every thought. What's a thought? A thought is a thought. Every thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, we take captive every thought, bringing it into obedience to Christ. So where does the battle happen? The battle really happens in your mind. The battle happens in your heart. And if the enemy can change your mind, if the enemy can distort your mind, if the enemy can get you to believe his lies, then he's going to hurt you and hurt you really bad. And Paul the Apostle said that God has given us the sword of the Spirit so that we can demolish every lie. We can demolish every argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Why was it called a sword? Well, we know what it says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. God means what he says and what he says goes. His powerful word, the rhema word of God, is sharp like a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether defense or doubt, laying us open so that we might be able to listen and obey. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, that God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it penetrates between the soul and the spirit. And friend, I want you to know, so often we let our soul dictate our life. What is the soul? The soul is the man or woman's emotions. And so we let depression dictate our life. We let anxiety dictate our life. We let happiness dictate our life instead of being dictated by the word of God. But the Bible says that his word is like a two-edged sword and it penetrates the soul and the spirit so that the spiritual man can take control over the physical man and the soulless realm of a man so that they can live according to God's word. Somebody say amen. The Bible is sharper than any Roman soldier's double-edged sword. In other words, the Bible cuts through every thought. The Bible cuts through every lie. The Bible cuts through every theory of man and of Satan. The Bible cuts through every motive and every intention. The Bible is like a surgeon's scalpel. It uncovers poison. It uncovers disease and infection. It is called a sword because like a sword, God is able to penetrate and cut away everything that opposes God. Now, I, I want you to know that I like doctors. I just don't like to visit them. Doctors can come visit me, but I don't want to go visit them. And I don't really want to talk about surgery. How many of you like surgery? Let me see your hands. If anybody likes surgery, like surgery, I'm going to come and pray for you right now because there's something wrong. Nobody likes surgery. You know, nobody likes for the doctor to cut us open. But you know, the truth of the matter is sometimes we've got to be cut open because there's disease. When they find cancer, that cancer has to be cut out. When they find a disease in our body, it needs to be taken out of our body or it will kill us. And God's word comes like a two-edged sword to first cut open to see what's really going on in our life. To see that perhaps maybe we've got a stubborn heart. See that maybe we're thinking the wrong thoughts. And so the Bible is like a surgeon's scalpel. It uncovers poison and disease and infection in our life. It cuts and it heals. Listen to me. We desperately need to allow God's word to cut through our state of denial. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you need to get out of denial. But more than that, I need to get out of denial. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I live in denial. And denial is not just a river in Egypt. We need to allow the Word of God to cut through the denial, that state of denial that we're in. Our hardened hearts, our self-righteous attitudes. Sometimes we can get so self-righteous. We can think, well, you know what? That person, they need to get right with God. I love when I preach a sermon and somebody comes over to me and says, oh, that was great. That was great for so-and-so. 
I'm so glad that so-and-so came to church today. They, are, they got to hear the word of God because they need to repent. You know, David, he said, oh God, how I hate the wicked. How I pray that you would just barbecue them, that you would slay the wicked. And then he was slain by the word of God as he was convicted, as the word came to David and said, David, who are you to judge another man? Uh, and then David said, search me, oh God, and know that if there's any iniquity in my heart. He was cut to the quick. God's word convicted his heart so that he would say, no, it's not, it's not that person that needs the grace of God. I need the grace of God. I need the mercy of God. I need the forgiveness of God in our hearts. And you know the word of God, it can convict us when we begin to gossip about somebody else. The word of God can cut through our sinful stubbornness because listen to me, God knows, listen to me, if the word of God doesn't cut through these things in our life, these things will eventually destroy our lives. Jeremiah says, who knows the heart of man, it is utterly wicked. He says, the heart of man is prone to wander. Listen to me, I don't trust my heart as far as I can throw it. And you ought not to trust your heart because it's prone to wander. Jeremiah says, the heart of man is just so wicked, it always wants to disobey and rebel against God. I remember when I was uh, a teenager and I, was, I grew up in the church and I heard the word, I heard the word, I heard the word. But the word wasn't getting inside of me. It was bouncing off of me and I was doing my own thing. And I'll never forget... 19 years old when I had that car accident I came home that afternoon they stitched me up I came home that afternoon I said oh God please God help me and God like a rhema word a word just for me I know I know it was God as surely as I'm standing here today God spoke to my heart and he said yeah sure you only want me when you need me and then you put me back on the shelf again I was so quickened in my heart I was so cut to the quick with that word that God gave me that rhema word from God that I repented of my sins and I've been serving the Lord ever since. You could see who won that battle. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But you see, we need the word of God to cut through the deception and the lies of the enemy. Jeremiah said it this way. Jeremiah said that there were false prophets and they spoke what the people wanted to hear. Listen what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 23, verse 25. I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their minds? They think that the dreams they tell one another will make people forget my name just as their fathers forgot my name and worship Baal. Let the prophets who had a dream tell their dreams, but let the man of God who preaches the word preach it in faithfulness. Come on, somebody. Let the prophets speak the word of God in faithfulness. Why? For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord, is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord. Is not my word like a fire. Is not my word like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. The word on fire brings conviction, friend. The word like a hammer breaks the fallow ground of our hardened hearts. The word like a double-edged sword penetrates our hearts, our hardened hearts, our wrong motives, and our sinful stubbornness. As the Bible says, even the dividing of the soul and spirit, the joint and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's word. Friend, let me tell you something. What we need today is preachers that don't just preach the word to itch people's ears. We need preachers that are on fire preaching the word of God, preaching the truth of God so that the word of God will be like a fire, like a hammer, and it'll crush, oh God, it'll crush the enemy. Hallelujah. It'll open and lay bare the hearts of mankind so that men can come to the Savior, repent of their sins, and get right with God so that names can be written in the Lamb's book of life somebody say amen glory to God hallelujah the Bible says there seems to be a way that seems to be right to man but in the end it leads to death in the end it leads to death and so we need the Word of God we need to understand why it's called the sword of the Spirit because it pierces and it penetrates man's heart it brings conviction to their heart not condemnation but conviction to their heart why is it called the sword of the Spirit? We know why it's called the sword, because it penetrates. But why is it called the sword of the Spirit? Well, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
And so we have 66 books of the Bible. And the Bible was written over a 1,600-year period, over thousands of years. And it was written by 40 different men, yet it was inspired by one author. Notice what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture in the Greek, it is inspired by God. Now that word inspiration doesn't mean that you got a good feeling and you wrote a song. The word inspiration means that God himself moved the men to write what they wrote in the scriptures and told them the very words that they should write. Every syllable, every word was inspired by God. One unfolding story from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We find the story of redemption. We find the story of man falling into sin and God redeeming his creation and Jesus Christ coming again. As the word of the Lord said, his hair was white as snow. His eyes were like flaming fire and out of his mouth came a two-edged sword that Jesus Christ is going to come again. Hallelujah. We're in a war right now, but one day Jesus Christ himself is going to come back for his people and there's going to be peace on earth for a thousand years as the Bible says and then we're going to go to heaven and we're going to lay down our swords and we're going to lay down the helmet of salvation and we're going to lay down our shield why? because when we get to heaven we're going to see Jesus face to face glory to God and God is going to make all things new come on somebody hallelujah all scripture is inspired God breathed and useful for teaching for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So he's the author. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Word. But he's also the activator of the Word. What do I mean by that? Well, I grew up in this church all my life, since I was six years old. And before I was born again, Jesus said, unless the man is born again, he cannot understand the kingdom of God. That's why people read the Bible. They can't understand it. That's why you can preach to people and if they're not born again, they're not going to get it. Why? Because the enemy comes and snatches the word out of their heart. The only way that this Bible can be activated in your soul and your heart is when the Holy Spirit makes it real to you. That's why Jesus said, it's expedient that I go away. For if I do not go away, then I cannot send the comforter, the paracletus. In the Greek, it means your helper, your guide, your mentor, your sensei. Your mentor, the person that will come into your life and teach you what the Word of God says. Notice what it says. Listen to me. It says, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but we have received the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The Spirit makes the deep things of God real. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit takes the thoughts of God and brings it to our heart and it becomes rhema to our soul. It becomes real to our heart. And so I grew up in this church and I was preached the Word of God every Sunday. I was taught the Word of God, but I couldn't understand it. Why? Because I wasn't born again. But when I became born again, when the Holy Spirit came and to live inside of me, I opened up the scripture. Man, the, the words started bouncing off the pages and leaping into my heart and, and, and doing a work of transformation in my heart. Why? Because a man cannot understand the ways of God. Why? Because the ways of God are spiritual and we need us as well to be spiritual. And how does that happen? We're born again by the power of the Spirit. God takes our spirit. It quickens our spirit. Then we're filled with the Holy Spirit and He begins to show us the things that God wants us to see. The Holy Spirit activates the sword by opening our eyes to the Word, by quickening God's Word in our heart, by bringing the Word back to our remembrance. As Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, He'll bring back to remembrance everything that I have told you. And He empowers the Word in your life. Unless, listen to me, unless the Holy Spirit makes the Word come alive in our hearts, we will never be able to receive or understand the Word. So how does the sword become a weapon against the devil in our lives? Well, number one, the, the sword becomes a weapon in our hands against the enemy when God tells us to go in and possess everything that he wants to give us. Listen to me, look at me. God wants to bless you. I said God wants to bless you. And I'm not talking about financial blessing. I'm not talking about material things. And thank God that we live in a, in a great country and thank God that we're free to make money and we're free to have 
um, self-employment where we can go out and do whatever we want to do and make as much money as we want. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the blessings that God wants to pour upon your life. That, that money cannot buy. I'm talking about peace that passes all understanding. No matter what's going on in your life. I'm talking about a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm talking about a wisdom that comes from God. I'm talking about knowledge that comes from God. I'm talking about being able to walk with God every day of your life. Understanding that Jesus is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And nothing shall ever be able to separate you from the love of God. Which is found in Christ Jesus. I'm talking about every spiritual blessing in heavenly place. I'm talking about all the things that, that mean so much more than money or things. God wants to bless you big time. But let me tell you something. Even though God wants to bless you with peace and joy, the devil's right there and he wants to rob your peace. He wants to rob that blessing of peace. He wants to rob that blessing of joy. He wants to rob that blessing of love in your life. He wants to rob your marriage. He wants to rob your relationships and you can't let it happen. Hallelujah. You got to go in and possess the land. Glory to God. And all the blessings that God has for you. Let me tell you something. But when you go in and you want to you possess all those things, let me tell you, your enemy's going to be standing right there. God said to Joshua, he said, get ready, Joshua. I love this. I, I like Joshua. If I, if I had a son, my, my family would be Janine, Julia, Jenna, and Joshua. Now, don't start praying, all right? I know some, like, elderly lady who's a real prayer warrior is going to come over to me and say, I'm praying. Don't do it. Don't do it. Shop his clothes, glory to God. Hallelujah. But I love the name Joshua. Be strong, Yeshua. He said, Yeshua. He said, I'm going to use you like I used Moses. He said, and I'm going to send you into the promised land. He said, and you're going to possess all the great things in the promised land. He said, all those other guys, they didn't want to go in, but I'm going to send you in. He said, but when you go in, he said, be courageous, be strong. He said, and everywhere I let you take a step, he said, that, that whatever it is, is going to be yours. Whatever blessing I want to give you, it's going to be yours. And no one is going to be able to stand up against you. Come on, somebody. He said, when you go in to get peace, no one's going to be able to stand up against you. When you go in and get joy, no one's going to be able to stand. When you go in for your family, when you pray for your family, when you intercede for your marriage, no enemy, no devil's going to be able to stand up against you. He said, but, he said, in order for you to be successful, you've got to do something. No, come on, come with me to the Bible. Come with me to Joshua chapter 1. Notice what he says to, to Joshua, though. He said, you're going to possess... Everything that I want you to possess in the land. But listen to me. He said, I want you to go in and possess all these things. But, he said, when you go in to possess the land, he said, be very careful to obey all of the word and don't compromise. Don't turn to the left nor to the right. He said, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. He said, so that you might be successful wherever you go. Don't let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be able to be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then, then, everybody say then. He said, then you will be prosperous and you will be successful. So God says to Joshua, when you're going in, he says, make sure, number one, make sure that you obey all of the word. That's the problem with most Christians. They obey some of the word, but not all of the word. And God told his people that if you live in obedience, you're going to be blessed. But the problem with so many Christians is they want to twist the word. They want to compromise. They want to rationalize. Friends, let me tell you something. We can rationalize anything away. We can find a verse here and a verse here and a verse there and put it all together and come up with some really cockamamie idea. Because we're not really dividing the word of truth. We're not understanding how to use the whole counsel of God. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of different, even cults. And a lot of Christians that are doing things. And they tell me, I'm, you know, they're doing these things. I'm like, where did you get that from? Well, I found this scripture here and I found this and I put it together. Let me tell you something. The Bible is a very dangerous thing when it's not used in the right way. Come on, somebody. The Bible is a two-edged sword and it can kill it can really distort and destroy you when you don't use it the right way. That's why Paul says rightly dividing the word of truth. 
But God says to Joshua, he said, when you go in to possess the land, you make sure that you live in obedience. Why? Because Deuteronomy chapter 28 says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow his word, carefully follow the commands that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth and all these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and you will be blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. Your baskets and your kneading tribe will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and you will be blessed when you go out. And the Lord will grant that the enemies that rise up against you, you will defeat them. Hallelujah. And it says, and they will come at you in one way and you'll send them scurrying in seven different ways. Why? Because you're living in obedience. Let me tell you something. When your life is lining up with the word of God, when you're living in obedience, the devil cannot destroy you. Come on, somebody. When you're living in obedience, the devil cannot destroy your marriage. When you're living in obedience, the devil cannot destroy your relationships. When you're living in obedience, the devil cannot steal your joy. When you're living in obedience, the devil cannot steal your peace. When you're living in, the, in obedience, the devil cannot steal what rightfully belongs to you. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Listen to me. The reason why the enemy has the right to hurt so many of us is because we're living in disobedience to God's word. Let me ask you today, as your pastor, let the word of God cut like a knife. Are you living in disobedience to God's word today? Has God spoken to you about something? Has he revealed something in his word to you? The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but it leads to death. It only leads to death. And maybe the devil has lied to you. He's told you it's okay. It's okay to have sex before marriage. It's okay to leave your wife, your husband. Look what the word of God says about this or that. And he uses it and he distorts it. And you're starting to believe that lie. Friend, let me tell you something. There's a way that seems right to man. It may sound good. It may look good. It may smell right. But if it's not the whole counsel of God, it ain't right. And it's going to lead to death. Come on, somebody say amen. David declared in Psalms 119, I walk about in freedom because I have sought your word. Hallelujah. Listen, I walk about. I'm a free man because I live in obedience to your word. Friend, you're not a free man until you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You're not a free woman until you totally obey. Say, I give up. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it His way. His way is the right way. I'm going to trust God with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. But in all my ways, I'm going to obey His word. Even if it hurts me, I'm going to obey His word. Even if I don't understand, I'm going to obey His word. Why? Because in the end, I'm going to be blessed by God. Hallelujah. Young lady, young man, I want to tell you something. God's word says certain things for certain reasons so that you won't destroy your life. I'm sick and tired of seeing young people, their lives destroyed. Because they think that they can circumvent the word of God. You can't circumvent the word of God. He gave you the word to protect you from the evil one. Come on, somebody. God told Joshua, don't let the book of the Lord depart from you. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Soldier, never leave home without your sword. Jesus said, make the word a priority in your life. Let me ask you a question. Is the word of God a priority in your life? I said, is the word of God a priority in your life? Do you love the word of God more than anything else? Do you have a love, a deep passion for the word of God? Do you yearn to read the Word of God, to learn the Word of God, to memorize the Word of God? As David said, I love your Word, God. Lord, I love your Word. Your Word is a light unto my path and a, and a lamp unto my path and a light unto my feet. Lord, I love your Word. I've eaten your Word. Your Word has sustained me. Your Word has encouraged me. Your Word guides me. It leads me. Let me say it again. Is the Word of God a priority in your life? I read the word every day of my life, every day. And God says, soldier, don't leave home without your word because it becomes a sword against your enemy. The Roman soldier never went anywhere without his sword. And the priority of your life must be the word of God. 
The reason why the devil gains ground on you as a soldier is when you realize or you don't realize how vital the Word of God is in your life. You're not reading it. You're not learning it. You're not studying it. You're not memorizing it. And you're not meditating on it. And you will never overcome the enemy until the Word of God becomes a priority in your life. God told Joshua, don't only hold it by your side, but he said meditate on it day and night. You know what I have learned? I have learned that God is not interested in how many pages I read. God's interested in how many pages get into my heart. And these days, I'm not, I, I, I'm not so quick to fly through the Word of God. The Word of God is so deep. It's so powerful. It's so awesome. The Word of God has changed my life. The Word of God is my bread. It's my sustenance. It's my nutrition for life. And I'm not going to just have a quick fix. I'm not going to McDonald's anymore. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to feast on the Word. I'm going to meditate on the Word. I'm going to meditate on it day in and day out. I'm going to feast on the Word like I did this morning as I began the feast on Proverbs chapter 22. Ooh, I ate the Word. Mm. <laughs> Meditating on the Word means that you take the time to really think about what it means in your own personal life. How does it apply to your life? You take the time to read the scripture and then you meditate on it. You dwell upon it. You ponder on it. You look into what it means. You look what it means even in the Greek sometimes, but you want, you want to go as deep as you can in the Word. And this morning I sat down and I read Proverbs 22 and I said, oh, mm, that's so good. Ooh, mm. That's so good for my spirit, so good for my soul. As the Bible says in Proverbs 4.20, he said, pay attention to the word because the word will become very life and healing to your whole body. Hallelujah. Glory to God. David said, wash me by your word and I will be clean. Guide me by your word and I will be free. Hallelujah. Protect me by your word. Fill me up with your word, God, as a young man. We need to hide the Word of God in our hearts so that we would not sin against the Lord. He said, discipline yourself in the Lord. Discipline yourself in God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Listen to what it says. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman, a soldier, who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the Word of truth. Wow. Paul the Apostle is saying, study the Word, learn the Word, so that you're not ashamed. So that you're not ashamed because you don't know. I know some of you, you're ashamed. You've been in the church for 20 years, and when I tell you to turn to Hosea, you don't even know where it is in the Bible. He says, no, rightly divide the Word of truth. Rightly divide the Word of truth so that you need not to be ashamed when somebody asks you for the hope that you have within you, in you, you'll know where to go in the Word of God. When the devil confronts you, you'll know where to go because you're not going to be ashamed. Why? Because you know the Word of God. You're proficient in the Word of God. So how does the sword give you victory? The sword cuts through deception and false teaching. Listen to me. I believe deception from the enemy is the greatest weapon that he uses against the church and against the world. Deception. Remember what I said in the very beginning of this whole series. I said, the devil has been rendered powerless by the finished work of the cross. And all the devil has today is lies, schemes, and deceptions. And if he can get you to take the armor off, if he can get you to live in sin, if he can get you out of the covering of God, then he can hurt you. And so we've got to be aware of his schemes, his lies. And Hosea says, my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. God said, my people are being destroyed. The church is being destroyed. People in the church are going astray. Why? Because they rejected knowledge. Because they refused to study the word, to live by the word, to learn the word. Paul warns the Christian soldier in Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. 
see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. And notice what Paul says. Paul says in the last days in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter days some will abandon their post. Some will abandon the faith, giving heed to lying spirits and doctrines of devils. Wow. He said there's going to be some people in God's army. There's going to be some people in the church that are going to abandon their post. They're going to abandon the faith because they're going to give heed to seducing and lying spirits that are twisting the word of God. Friend, get ready. It's going to happen. In the last days, it's going to become so commonplace for preachers to distort the word because they want to fill up their churches with people and make money. And they're going to talk about things that people want to hear, but they're not going to be God's word, fire, hammer, the prophetic rhema word of God. It's going to be their words. And you're never going to make it unless you're filled with God's word. It's going to sound right. It's going to sound good. Remember, the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. So what the church needs more than anything else today is people who study the word. People who are hungry for the word. People who learn the word, who meditate on the word, who memorize the word. I want to encourage you to get some three by five cards out and start memorizing scripture. Because there may be a day, listen to me, there may be a day when you won't be able to walk around with one of these anymore. There may be a day when they, they tell you that you got to take your app off your phone. And what are you going to do when you don't have the Bible? What are you going to do when you don't have your sword? What are you going to do when you can't... Ask the pastor to find a scripture for you where you can't go into the concordance and find that verse that you need when, when the devil comes to attack you, when someone comes to question your faith. Ephesians 4 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by every wave, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Listen to me. Only a proficient knowledge of the word will protect you from the false doctrines and deception of the enemy. The devil knows how to twist the scripture. And here's the truth. Unless you know the truth and you're very knowledgeable of the truth, you will be deceived. The sword of the spirit will help you to conquer temptation in your life. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And when the Word came to earth, the Bible says that he went into the wilderness and he was tempted of the enemy 40 days and 40 nights. And after the 40th day, he was starving. He was hungry. Listen to me. The devil, look at me, young person. The devil will always offer you a shortcut to the blessings of God. And he'll lie to you. And unless you know the word very well, unless you have a discerning spirit, you're going to be deceived. And so Jesus is praying and Satan comes and says, If you're the Son of God, if you are who you said you are, then turn this stone into bread. And Jesus, proficient in the word, gives us the ultimate example. And Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Oh, if you are the son of man, then cast yourself off this mountain as the word of God says. You see, the devil can take the word of God and twist the word of God. As the word of God says, and he will command his angels and they'll make sure that you don't even rub your foot against the mountain. And Jesus says, but devil, it is also written. Do not tempt the Lord your God. You see, only a proficient understanding and wisdom of the word can come against the schemes and temptations of the enemy. Oh, if you are the Son of God, then you would know that God, your Father, has given me this whole world. And I am the ruler of this world. And Jesus, if you want worship, bow down before me first. And Jesus takes the sword out and says, but it is also written, 
You are not to worship any other God than God himself. You see, my friend, a rhema word. A rhema word. A rhema word. I said a rhema word. The right word at the right time can defeat the enemy. Glory to God. God has put the word in your hand so that when the word of God comes, uh, it comes like a sword. It comes like a spear. It comes like a knife. And when the enemy comes against you and he says you need to do this or that, he tempts you to lust or he tempts you to become angry or he tempts you to become discouraged or he tempts you to cut corners, whatever it is, you can say to the devil, devil, I want you to know it is written. Hallelujah. This is what God's word says. This is who I am. It is written and I won't take any of your temptation because I know what the word of God says. The word of God will help you deal with the enemy in temptation because, listen to me as I close, the sword of the spirit, listen, gives you divine authority. Let me say that again. The sword of the spirit gives you divine authority. You see, when you raise up this scripture, when you quote the scripture, when you speak the scripture, listen to me, you're speaking the very words of Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And I saw him, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and his hair was like white as snow and his eyes were like flaming fire and out of his mouth came a two-edged sword in which he used to destroy the enemy friend when you speak the word you are speaking in the authority of Jesus hallelujah so the enemy comes and tells you something and you can say but God said you see the enemy can argue with you and the enemy can argue with me but the enemy cannot argue with God's Word. The enemy can argue with you, and the enemy can argue with me, but the enemy cannot argue with the spoken Word of God. Devil, get thee behind me. God said it, and God's Word shall never return void. It shall meet the purpose that it was sent out. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but God's Word stands firm. His Word is eternal. When you speak the word of God, you are speaking the very voice of Jesus Christ to the enemy. Come on, somebody. Say amen. See, it's the unchanging, unaltering, inerrant, infallible word of God. So God tells us, you can use my word like a sword because my word will last forever. My word never changes. It doesn't change with the trends of the world. It doesn't change with popular opinion. It doesn't change with the pressures of politicians. It doesn't change with every wind of doctrine. It never changes. David declared, your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heaven. And if God said it, there's no demon in hell that can alter the spoken word of God. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God shall stand forever. And God says to you and I, when you face the enemy, Speak the word. Tell him, God said. Tell him, God said, I'm more than a conqueror. Tell him, God said, I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I am a royal priesthood. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm his beloved. I'm filled with his spirit. I've been given his grace. I am a masterpiece of his grace and mercy in my life. Why? Because I didn't say it. God said it. Glory to God. And lastly, the sword of the spirit as the worship team comes. God's Word gives us divine enablement. God's Word, listen to me. God's Word brings peace. David said, great peace have they who love your Word, and nothing can make them stumble. God's Word brings revival to our soul. David said in Psalms 19, the Word of the Lord is perfect. It revives my soul. I love the message. It says the revelation, the rhema of God, that word just for me, at the right time, at the right season, that word for me, the revelation of God is whole and it pulls my life together. God's word brings divine wisdom 
the statue of the Lord are trustworthy making wise the simple God's Word brings joy the precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart God's Word brings direction God's Word brings strength my soul is weary with sorrow strengthen me according to your word God's Word brings healing my son my daughter pay attention to what I say listen closely to my words do not let them out of your sight keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body God's Word brings faith so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God God's Word brings victory they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony God's Word brings victory when you use it God's way God bless you so the Roman soldier was instructed to take the whole armor of God just before he was to pick up his sword he, the Bible says Paul writes and says and take the helmet of salvation the helmet of salvation the Roman soldier understood that the helmet would protect his head it would protect his head it would protect his head from the the arrows that were flown and shot at him it would protect his head when the when the sword missed the shield and, and it was going for his head the helmet was to protect his head vital part of the body but Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood and so what you and I need to understand is that we need to be we need to imagine that we have a shield uh, uh, we have a, a helmet on our head that protects our head from the attacks of the enemy the Bible says the wiles of the enemy the darts the thoughts that the enemy tries to shoot towards you to discourage you to make you anxious to make you upset to make you think you're not good enough it's the helmet of salvation the reality is because this is a spiritual battle sometimes we ask ourselves what is the practical thing what is the helmet of salvation the helmet of salvation is this the assurance that you know 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 that you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior the helmet of salvation says I know without a shadow of a doubt I'm even willing to stake my whole life but I know without a, without a shadow of a doubt that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior without that assurance without that confidence you won't know how to use your sword the Roman soldier knew that every part of the armor was important he couldn't leave any part of the armor out a lot of us we leave we like certain parts of the, uh, of the armor but we leave certain things and we get careless and so especially with the helmet of salvation that comes to protect your mind 75% of spiritual warfare is the battle for your mind lose the battle for your mind and you will lose the war the Bible says I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me and so when the enemy throws a thought that you're going through a bad day that you're not really saved your name is not written in the book of life you need to be able to say father in the name of Jesus I know what I did I believed in my heart I confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord I know without a shadow of doubt I'm saved how do you know you're saved because the Bible says how do you know your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because the Bible says everything you and I will receive in the kingdom of God we will receive it knowing what the Word of God says so if you don't know what the Word of God says you can't receive it the helmet of salvation the assurance of salvation Nicodemus comes to Jesus and said I we know that you are a great teacher and Jesus said that's all well and good but have you been born again Jesus in John chapter 14 says I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father 
but through me take it or leave it your choice the writer in the book of Acts in chapter 4 says there is no other name under heaven by which man shall be saved if you reject Jesus Christ the Bible says there is no other salvation and then Paul in Romans says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord you shall be saved you can know that you know that you know before you close your eyes that you're on your way to heaven a lot of times we say to people if you don't know before you leave you're probably not going and with the assurance of salvation comes hope comes hope the hope of the resurrection and that's why we're going to a time of communion that every time we do communion is, is God saying to us yes you may not be perfect yes you may miss it every now again yes you may even fall into sin but there is a way back to me every single time we say to people all the time every time you sin and fall short of the glory of God go back to God he loves you so much he said if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteous all unrighteousness go back but the helmet of salvation is so vitally important it is the difference between a Christian that is weak and a Christian that is confident it's a confidence that you know without a shadow of doubt that Jesus Christ lives in you by his spirit and that no matter what happens between now and heaven if the, when the time comes you are going home and so this morning as we go into a communion I want you to bow your heads as the gentlemen and the ladies come up and with Pastor Jimmy we're gonna go into a time of communion and I want to say to you this is a time to rededicate our lives again this is the time to go back into the place and say Lord I've missed it I've fallen short but I know I know the grace of God is here to forgive me so bow your heads and for a few minutes get make things right what needs to be confessed confess it so that we can have our time of communion this morning Father's plan, 
power in hand, speaking the Father's plan. Sending us out, light into this broken land. in power Jesus awesome in power forever awesome and great is your name for you overcame we will overcome we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the Word testimony is powerful today. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. question I asked this afternoon is are you confident are you confident that you've really accepted him as Lord and Savior is there a peace on the inside of you that says I know that I know that I know is there a calmness on you that the plan of God for your life is in motion and God knows exactly what he's doing on a night in which he, he was betrayed Jesus took the bread and broke it. He said, this is my body. It was given to you. Eat it in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the broken body. We thank you, Lord, that you paid the price. While we were yet sinners, you paid the price on the cross and you broke your body for us. Remember the sacrifice every time we take communion. We so appreciate what you have done. And it spurs us on to continue to live for you day in and day out. So let that calm assurance rest on the inside of us. May our convictions be strong. May the purpose of our, of our hearts be sure. And may everything that we continue to do just bring glory to your name. Thank you for the broken body. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. And everyone said, let's partake together. The Bible says, then he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he blessed it. He said, this is the, the blood of the new covenant that was shared for you. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that it has never lost its power. We thank you, Lord, that the sacrifice on the cross was sufficient. And we thank you, Father, that we continue to lean upon it every single day. 
We thank you for the righteousness of God. We thank you for the helmet of salvation. We thank you for the breastplate of truth. We thank you for the uh, shutting our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We thank you for the shield of faith. We thank you for the sword of the spirit. But I thank you, Lord, that no matter how long it takes, we will remain true and faithful to your word. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. And everyone said, let's partake. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet, please. Uh, we have gone through boot camp. We have taken the last several weeks to unpackage every one of those pieces of the armor of God. Soldier, Christian soldier, put on the full armor of God. Take up every piece of the armor. Don't ever take it off and live in divine victory. We're going to go out of this place praising the Lord. And we're going to thank the Lord that God has given us the victory. That the victory is in Christ. Amen? But if you need prayer today, for whatever. Maybe you're here today and you're not certain that if you die today, you'd go to heaven. Today, there's going to be some folks that want to pray for you. So perhaps maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I need Jesus to be my Savior. In a moment, we're going to ask our altar workers to come. And they're going to stand right here. And if you'd like to come and receive some information about eternal life, or just have somebody pray for you, we're going to do that. If you need uh, healing in your body, if you need a financial miracle, whatever it may be, whatever you're going through today, we've got some people that want to pray for you today. Now may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance. May you experience his peace and his joy. May you put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles and schemes of the enemy. May you understand who you are in Christ, that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. May you live as the head and never as the tail. May you be blessed when you go in. May you be blessed when you go out. And may you march against the gates of hell and know that it will not prevail. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, come on, sing this with us. Hallelujah. You are the everlasting God.